0: pray with me please lord jesus i pray lord that you would teach us today lord i pray that your your scripture your word your design for for marriage would would shape us lord that we would seek to be conformed to your word to your truth to your image and likeness lord help us lord give us an understanding call us to to do what you've called us to do for your glory, Lord. If anyone in here has, has a difficult marriage situation, Lord, th- this might be hard, Lord, but I I just pray that we can start seeing hope, Lord, in your design, in your gospel, Lord, for any marriage. Bless this time and, and uh, pray for your spirit to be moving, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can have a seat. Uh, so we're gonna we're going into a four week marriage series. Today we're gonna do God's design for marriage, and we're gonna look at the fall. Why is marriage so difficult? Next week we're gonna look at, uh, at God's redeeming marriage, right? God's plan for redemption for marriage in Ephesians five. After that we're gonna look at what do I what do I do if I'm in a difficult marriage. Right. What what if I do, if, if I have an unbelieving spouse, and, and Pastor uh, Ra- uh, Randy Murphy, the director of CTL, is going to come in, and preach that, and he's going to talk about, what do I what do, I do if, if I'm single? How do I glorify God in this season in my life? And then week four, uh, Josue is going to preach. We're going to actually have two bilingual services, and he's going to preach on parenting. So don't miss any of them. It's going to be a, a great time. I, I feel like we were praying a lot as we were coming up. What Redemption Church does is we preach through the book of the Bibles. Periodically, they'll give us time, you know, a, a few weeks to, to deal with stuff that that uh is more specific to your congregation. And and so we've been praying and and th- and thought that that this was one of the most important things we could we could work on and, and grow in together. All right. So uh as we get into marriage, I just want to let you know Ruthie and I are about to uh, enter into our uh, our nine-year anniversary. We're about to celebrate that March. Uh, March uh, 10th, I had to re- look at it because I almost forgot. <laughs> but we're excited about that. It's been the best nine years of my life. I've learned and I've grown a ton. Marriage has stretched me and matured me in ways I would never expected. Uh, when, I remember the first time I told Ruthie I, I loved her. I, I was dropping her off to her parents' house. I used to drive every day to to Phoenix, 25 miles, to pick her up, and we'd come. O- she'd come over here, and then I'd dr- drive her back. So I was driving like 100 miles a day when, when we were dating. But I remember that first time I told her I love her, and I looked at her face, and, and tears were coming down her eyes, and I started like freaking out, like, "Oh crap, what's going on? Why is she crying?" Anytime a girl cries. Guys you know we don't know how to handle it we're just fixed it patch it up what's, what's going on here uh but i remember, I realized at that moment you know that love was a decision and i, and I had to I had decided to love her and, and and i and I knew like man, there's no way I can just you know take that back and break her heart like I, I decided to love her that day and I started even making plans uh to for for a wedding and for engagement that day and uh and and that was a big moment for me because all in the past I had said I loved you two girls before and and I was I I struggled with commitment before that right and and then I'd kind of freak out when it'd get too serious and so that was a, a very important moment in my life so after that so we had dated we dated for four months till engagement and uh and then we were married 3 months later so we went from dating to engagement to marriage in 7 total months i was definitely ready to be married one of the things i've learned in marriage is, is how much marriage reveals you right when you're dating you can put on the 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 like you're perfect you don't have any issues you're happy you and you know it, you 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 can hide your stuff but in marriage right you put two sinful Selfish individuals together, you're exposed, right? All your insecurities and your anger and 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 my, I'm so anal, like every little thing. <laughs> but all that stuff, your pride, all that stuff gets exposed, and so so marriage is difficult, right? Just just because of sin and two sinners, but also because since the beginning, Satan has been attacking marriage. You know, we're going to see that later as we get into Scripture. Satan has has been actively attacking marriage from the beginning. And he wants to destroy marriage. And so it's important for us to understand what God's design is for him. And so we just read Genesis 1. And what you see in Genesis 1 is there's a a kind of a a big picture creation of mankind uh, record there. And Genesis chapter 2 then zooms in and looks more specific at what happened. It gives us more details. But in, in Genesis 1, what we see there is the first thing, this is the first point of this all, is, is that God designed it. Like that is very important. God designed marriage. right? The, 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 our culture, America, uh, the world around us is trying to redefine marriage. Right, we we see the same-sex marriage laws being passed. They're trying to redefine even gender. Right, gender we see in Genesis one there that we're created male and female. God creates gender, and 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 the world around us is trying to eliminate gender. Even right, so it's important to know God designed it. God gets to say what it is. Right, God gets to. you know, create that order around it. So not our feelings, not our desires, not our emotions, not popular opinion, right? Because the popular opinion is, is everything's, right? Just go along with the culture, accept anything or, or whatever. There is no truth. Now, another thing we learn there is that God created us in His image. Now, this is very important to understand marriage, is that we're created in his image. We're, we're created to look like him, right? We're, we're created to glorify him, to put him on display to the world. So that when God would look, or when the creation, right, when mankind would look at man, they would see a, a picture of what God is like. Have you ever uh, gotten a mirror and, you know, you're playing with it, and maybe you shine it in your friend's eyes and they're just like, ah, oh, come on, man. I've done it a lot when I used to wear a watch. You know, you're in the car or something, you're just messing with someone, you shine the light in their eyes and blind them. Hopefully you're not doing it to the person who's driving. But, uh, but really that's a picture of, of how we're created to reflect God's glory, right? That's what it means to be in His image. Our identity is set in Him. And, and when people look at us, they see what God is like. It's like shining the light of God's glory, right? When they, when they look at you as the mirror, they see what God is like. And that's what, what, what uh, mankind was created to do. And so that's why, and there's scriptures all over talking about letting our light shine or reflecting God's glory. Matthew 5.16 says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Right? So mankind... Were created to be these mirrors reflecting who God is, right they would see God in us in verse twenty eight we see another very important idea there as mankind is created to be fruitful and multiply, be fruitful and multiply that word fruitful means flourish and it's the idea of universal human flourishing right that that his image bearers would would see that the his creation would would continue to grow and flourish and, and, and man would be a, a blessing and seek peace and shalom in the world right create order and, and create good things right that's what man is created as, as man is, is is in the image of God right as God's a a god of blessing right he blesses man to be a blessing to the world make this thing good make it reflect who I am my love and my joy and my peace spread this through the whole world, and that's the idea of, of multiplying, right? He created, he created marriage for, for childbearing, and uh, Josue and I were kind of wrestling with this idea of, of multiplying this week. We're talking about it, and, and, and we, we believe that it is a sin to ignore this, the call to have children in marriage. That's not necessarily to just keep having them, keep popping them out, but but to totally ignore God's call to to multiply, to to have children in marriage, I believe is sin. Now it's not a sin to to not have children, right? It's not a sin to be unable to bear children, but I, I believe it's a sin when you go into marriage, and it's all about yourself, right? Some people will will say. Oh, we're never going to have kids. We don't want kids because we want to be able to travel. We want to, you know, store up as much money, save up as much money as possible, right? It's a very selfish, self-centered thing. And so it ignores God's design for marriage. And I believe that that that's sinful, right? That marriage is created for, for childbearing. It's created to, to spread out, right? Spread out God's glory to the world as, as we raise children, raise families. That's important, right? If man just... Ignored that from the beginning, we'd be in big trouble, right? <laughs> we wouldn't have been here. And in there, we begin to see man's role. And, and, it, and it begins to uh, unfold even more and more. We see man uh, is given dominion. We read it in Genesis uh, 1.28. Man is created to rule over creation. And, and it, it's mankind, but what we see is that man is created to lead. The husband is created to lead, and, and woman, as we'll we'll see in a little bit, is created to be to be helper, right? So God, so God gives man the, the specific task, the, the responsibility uh, of taking the lead and in, in, in being fruitful and multiplying and leading in the marriage. And uh, let's look at Genesis 2.15. 2, I want to read that because Genesis 2.15 then zooms into the garden and gives us more specific details on, on what Adam's task is to be. We see in 2:15 that the Lord God took the man this is after he creates the garden and he he puts him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Right so so that's that's part we see now God telling man we see him given his his role as leader and and now what he's to do. He's to work and to keep the garden. Right? He's to cultivate the garden. He he's to 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 glorify God by by working and keeping uh, the garden as God's servant leader, I want to read you a, a quote by Richard D. Phillips. He he summarizes what Adam is called to do. This is from the book called *Masculine Mandate*. He said Adam was to enter and in got into God's work of creation, starting in the garden, which he was to cultivate and work so that God's glory would grow and spread, and the knowledge of God would extend throughout the cosmos. So here's God's image bearer. He's working, keeping in the garden, cultivating, seeking human flourishing, multiplying, filling the earth all for God's glory. An amazing task. And Adam would would find great joy and fulfillment in his task as as he's fulfilled by God. And so he's called to, to work. And so men are called to work. We're called to work whatever garden that God has given us, right? And, and our garden are the, is, is the specific responsibilities God's given us, right? It could be your, your family, your home, your work, your children, your wife is your garden, right? Th- those are the things that God's given into your care. And you're called to to work. Invest your time, your energy, your ideas into seeing them grow and, and flourish, Right To bring blessing and order and peace into those things, men have a lot of work to do, right to use all our our gifts, our strength, our energy to be a blessing and especially to our wives' wives and our children. And so in, in marriage, a man is called to be the provider, right Man is called to be the provider now. There are specific instances where the man can't work whether if he's handicapped or or he's sick but but man is called to be the main provider of the family. And I I, I don't know if you uh, but no one respects a man who doesn't work, right? Men are called to work and if they don't no one respects them. 2 Thessalonians 3:10. Paul says, if basically some uh this is a paraphrase that if a man doesn't work, then don't let him eat. Right? Don't feed him, he says. And so the idea is, let him starve. That's what Paul's saying, right? If a man doesn't want to work, let him starve. Because when he gets hungry enough, he'll get up off his butt. He'll put away the video games. He'll turn off Netflix, and he'll go to work. So men are called to work and provide. And Paul, even in 1 Timothy 5.8, he says, A man who doesn't provide for his family has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever, right? So it doesn't even say he's denied his role as provider in the family. It goes even worse than that. He's denied the faith. He's worse than an unbeliever, right? So so it's important. Men are called to work. Men are called to provide. Now, I think most men get that. You know, although there's a lot of men who, who have given up that role and don't want to work. But I think one thing that men miss is that work, that work that God's given us is not just to put a roof over a head or food on the table, right? That's what a lot of guys think, right? That's all I got to do and then I can come home and sit on the couch and, and totally check out for my family. Well, the work that God's given us is, is everything He's put into our care. Everything. Not just to go out and provide, but to to work and nurture the hearts of our wives and our children, right? That's part of the work that we have to do, and, it, and it's very important, right, to nurture our wives, to, to nurture our children. I, I think we tip, typically think men, I, men typically think that women do the nurturing, but men are called to do it. And, and, uh, and uh, even if, if in children's ministry, when there's a man in the room, Debbie will tell you this, it, it changes the dynamic, right? When you, when you have a man in the room or, or when a, what, I know this because I see how my, my children respond to me, right? When, when I come down to their level, right? When, when, when a father will get down and, and wrestle with his boys or, or, or have a tea party with his girls, when they go down and, and they nurture, there's this heart connection that happens there. So men, it's it's important for for us to nurture our our children, to know them, to to know their struggles, to know their insecurities, to be able to pray for them and and, and to talk to them. Listen to them. Listen to them. If you can listen, I mean, that'll be a a great start. Listen to them. Hear what they're going through. Pray with them. And we're called to, to nurture our wives. Again, I think listening is important praying, reading, leading spiritually, this whole nurturing idea, working the hearts of our our wives and our children is we're really the spiritual leader in our home, right? As the husband, we're we're the pastor at home of our family, right? We set the spiritual temperature in our home, right? If the man is withdrawn and, and disconnected from the Lord, the house will be disconnected. And so that's so important to to connect on the heart level to work the hearts of our, of the you know the people that God's put into our care, and we're called to keep. And the idea, right, working and keeping is is this idea of of, of protecting or or maintaining. And so we're created to to watch over everything God's put into our care, to maintain our homes, to maintain our cars, but. I think it's huge that we're, we're to protect our families, our children, our, our wives and our children are extremely vulnerable if left on their own, right? If we don't come home from work, they're in danger. We need to be home regularly, protecting, uh, putting up boundaries, knowing who's coming into our home, who's going out, where where our families are going. We need to be protecting, not just hope that it all works out, right? I think uh, one of the major things that I'd I like for you guys to be thinking about is, and with protection, sometimes we don't think about it, is, is do you give your family unfiltered access, especially your children, to the internet, right? Social media, You maybe you don't feel like you understand that, you better figure it out, you know, because uh, everyone has access to your your family and your children through the Internet. And everything, you know, they can see anything. So that's something you got to think about, pray about, figure it out. You need to know it and figure out how to protect. All right? Let's go to uh, Genesis 2.18. It's just really quick. We see after God creates everything, the Lord, God says everything is good, but in verse 18, it, the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Right? So, so we see that it's not good for man to be alone. Right? Man is created to, to glorify, to display the image of this Trinitarian God. Right? We have one God made of, of three persons, the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so man can't display this Trinitarian God to the world on his own. And so he decides he's going to make a a, a helper suitable for him. And so what God does is, uh, this is amazing. I would have loved to do this, right? God creates all the the animals, the beasts of the field, the birds of there, and and brings them to Adam. And, And think about this. Adam gets to play with all of these animals. Like imagine Adam is the first guy, that he got to wrestle a bear, right? He got to swim with dolphins, that would be cool. I, I swam with the dolphins on my honeymoon, that was awesome. Imagine all these ama- this amazing experience, this, you know, connection with the first animal, right? Dogs, the, uh, the dogs are what, man's best friend, right? He got to have, experience that first connection. And as great as it was, none of them were suitable for him. There's no suitable helper with animals. And so God puts him into a a deep sleep, and and it says that God takes a rib from his side side and creates Eve, the first woman, his wife. And when Adam sees her, it tells us, what we see is that Adam sings a song. It it, it doesn't come off like a song in English, but Adam actually sings a song. He's the first R&B crooner. Right? He's a romantic, so he's got a romance song coming right out of him. He's so excited. The most beautiful world, woman on the face of the earth, naked, right in front of him. God is good. God is good. <laughs> but finally we see he's got a suitable helper, right? He's finally got a suitable helper. And so what you have to ask, though, and, and I wrestled with this, because there's there's pastors, there's people that would, would teach that, that we are incomplete without marriage. And I really struggled with that idea of, of saying that we're incomplete without marriage. And I don't believe that is the case, that we're incomplete without marriage. I, I believe we're complete in Christ. And I know a lot of people who are married and are still incomplete. Right? Where Christ completes us, not a man or a woman. But marriage is important, right? Because we, we can glorify God in, in, in community. Right there's even this cultural idea out there that that uh, another person completes us. I don't know if you've ever seen the, the movie Jerry Maguire, Tom Cruise, Renee Zellweger. There's like this big the 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 final scene the you know the the where the kiss scene, and, and he says you complete me, right? It, it, and it's just it's just fun. It, people believe this, and, and I just do not think it's the case. And when I read First Corinthians seven. Paul writes about the gift of singleness, and he writes about how he wishes everyone could be single so that they could have undistracted attention, uh, undivided attention to serve the Lord, to glorify Him, to serve Him. He wishes that they were, we were all single. And so, you know, I don't believe that we're incomplete, but I, I, I believe it, that it's not good for you to be alone, right? Marriage doesn't complete us. Christ completes us. And it's not good for us to be a- alone. So if you have the gift of singleness, then, then that's great, right? You can serve the Lord undivided. You can glorify God. But you need the church, right? Singles, what God's given us, to, the, the, the community that God's given us to display this, this Trinitarian God is the, the church community, right? The, the body of Christ, it's not good for you to be alone when you're single or married. But so you need the body of Christ. That's, that's the, what God's given. And in this time of singleness, it's a time to, to serve serve the body, grow in holiness, use that, unfiltered, that undivided time and, and energy that you have to, to serve God, to glorify God, to invest and pour out that, that energy in good things. And uh, and and if you don't have this gift of singleness, you you have a desire for marriage, then then you should be praying and and preparing your heart for that for that time. So we're not incomplete without marriage, is what I believe. Christ completes us; He gives us the the church community. All right. Uh, number four, the fourth thing we see is we see women's role in Genesis two eighteen. God says that he wants to create a helper suitable for Adam, right? Adam's called to lead. The woman's called to to be his helper, his helpmate. She's to to help Adam in in this task, right, this important task of of glorifying God to the world, of of working and keeping what what God's given to his care, to their care, right? Adam can't be fruitful and, and he can't multiply on his own. So the wife, woman, comes in to, to help him. And some people might look at that idea of, of women being helper as a, a demeaning role. In, in, in no way is that a demeaning role. I, I believe even the idea of of uh, the rib, right? Eve is taking the rib out of his side shows that she's to be on on his side, his equal, walking with him hand in hand through life, glorifying God together. And if helper's a demeaning role, then 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 God is... Right, God is demeaned all over Scripture because God is repeatedly called our helper. Right, search the Psalms. God is our helper, and and that's the sovereign King of the universe. Right, comes in and, and takes the role of helper for us. So it's a it's a role that has much dignity and re, and, and respect. And so I, I believe a woman's primary responsible responsibility is in the home, right to. to to enable men to work, to to help create order in the home. Although I I don't believe it's sinful for a a wife to work. That's not sinful. But it's sinful if you have a role reversal, right? Wife becomes the primary breadwinner and and husband just doesn't want to work. If there's a role uh, reversal, you have a problem. Uh, And I I think some people have their wives working and, and, and they're basically, wives are working just to pay for for child care and another car and gas, and, and their men aren't even calculating the cost of should their wife really be working or not. So I believe the wife uh, you know, primary responsibility is at home to follow a man's lead, to trust him and submit to him, and And let me say, I understand that is a difficult role. That is very difficult. So choose wisely, women, right? Choose wisely. There should be much prayer and wisdom going into the man that you're going to trust with your life. And pray for your husband. I think you should pray for your husband as well. Pray for him. Pray for him, but but you can't take his role, right? Let him lead. Even as as he struggles and fumbles, he's going to grow in that, all right? And then we see here like Adam found this joy in in working the garden, Eve's going to find. A great joy being fulfilled by God and, 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 and gl- glorifying God by helping Adam in this task. Doing this together as a team. I want to read another little quick little thing that we're going to see here. Uh, tw- 24 through 25. 2, 24 through 25. We see that marriage is for oneness. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed, right? So we see marriages for oneness. Man is called to, to leave his family, to cleave to his wife, grow up, right? Pursue Christ, grow in holiness, get a job, and pursue a wife is what that, I mean, that's telling us. And, uh, and we're created to display oneness, right? we have one god in three persons and now in marriage right there's this 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 amazing thing that can happen where two people become one flesh right 1 plus 1 equals 1 in marriage just like in the trinity 1 plus 1 plus 1 equals 1 right so there's this powerful display of of one god to the world through marriage as they partner together and so everything should be one uh you should have one relationship. Uh, one of the great dangers is having other relationships with the same sex, right? There should not be any other uh, hanging out with other people of other sex, thinking that you can control it or, or you can trust them, right? There shouldn't be any. Uh, I would v- warn of social media, right? Be very uh, careful. Boundaries, set clear boundaries. Uh, no flirting. No, uh, no, obviously no affairs. All right, one relationship. And another thing I think is important is you should have one bank account. I don't know how many people I, I, I've i talked to, countless amounts of people, they're married and they have two bank accounts. Like you want to set yourself up for divorce, have two bank accounts and you'll get divorced, right? Because you'll be fighting constantly over who pays what bill, right? who gets to pay what bill or what money is mine, what money is his. Basically what happened is the guy will keep all his money, make the wife pay the bills and go buy a boat or something, right? You want to get divorced, have two bank accounts. One bank account. You're partnering together, right? There's no backup plan. You guys are one. Let's look at why marriage is so hard. It's in Genesis 3 and I'm not going to read. I want to summarize to you what happens in Genesis 3. And I want to Use it to help us illustrate what's, what's going on in marriage. So it's in Genesis 3, we finally see Satan enter into the story. He tempts Adam and Eve to disobey God. He, 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 tell, he, tempts, he tempts Eve by telling lies to her. He wants to get her to doubt God, right? So he tells Eve, did God actually say, right? He calls a God, a God a liar. You won't really die, right? He tempted her to pridefully depend on herself, which is you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So he says, doubt God, depend on yourself, right? The, the root of all sin is pride, right? We want to pridefully do it our own way. And so that's what she does. And immediately after, after, after she takes of this fruit that God had commanded him not to eat, she gives it to her husband. He eats of it. So you see Adam standing there idly. He doesn't speak up. He doesn't lead. He doesn't protect his wife. He's already giving up God's role for him. After this, God comes looking for them. And who does God look for? He looks for Adam, right? The leader. And Adam and Eve are hiding from God. They're ashamed. They they cover up. They're experiencing fear now of God. They're feeling... the And... and um, and basically, what Adam does is he blames God and his wife. He says, "God, the the woman that the the woman that you gave me, you know, she gave me the fruit and I ate it." Right. So you, you see the brokenness already happening in, in marriage. Their di- disobedience brings sin into this world. Right. The curse of sin into this world. And so, women's curse is t- found in Genesis three sixteen. We're told it's two things. That she would have increased pains in childbearing, how many women wish it was easy right it's painful I, I mean i uh, I know all about the epidural <laughs> with my wife uh but and the second thing you see is her desire would be for her husband, and he would rule over her all right so woman will have this unwholesome desire for man, and so what happens is 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 her identity right in the creation was was in in God in glorifying God and she found fulfillment in her role well now what's going to happen now is her identity is going to move towards the man right she's going to want to find her identity she's going to find her 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 worth her her fulfillment in man and th- and that's the so that's what all women experience, right? This unwholesome desire for man. And that plays out in two different ways. Some women will tend to lean towards being what's called a doormat. And now when I lay these things out, I'm not calling them all-women doormats, but there's this, there's this uh, spectrum of where women will tend to go towards. These two extremes. One will be the doormat. One will be domineering, right? But a, but a woman who tends to be a doormat will we'll, we'll look for fulfillment for satisfaction in her husband now and she won't get it right she'll she'll try to please him and and, and think that she can get find her identity and, and her all in him and and she will be left unsatisfied and what typically will happen to to these women will be they'll end up in uh, being used and abused by men right have you ever talked to a a, a woman who who says, Man, I sure know how to pick them. She's been one in one abusive relationship or, or destructive relationship after another. Well, yeah, that's because she's the doormat. She's, she's looking for a man, right, that she can please, and he ends up just running all over her. She wants to find her identity in man. It's funny, I, I drive an I, I Uber part time. And I, so I get all these funny conversations and stuff. But uh, one girl told me that that uh, yesterday she told me, "Man, I'm trying to get my boyfriend to marry me, but he's just trying to control me." Right? She's experiencing that, right? She's 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 the doormat. She's getting controlled and ran all over, and she's looking for her satisfaction in him. A- another guy where I was talking to, he's like, "Man, why are all the girl songs all breakup songs?" Right? All, all Adele sings about is all these breakup songs. Taylor Swift, well, that's what that's right. That's showing us that the doormat idea is all over culture. We see it all the time. The other way women will will tend to to go is the opposite extreme. Is is their desires for their man will lead them to domineer, to want to control their man. The domineering women will want to take leadership from the man. They want to control. They want to fix or change. So they look for a, a man who is m- more passive that they can control and they can mold him and shape him. He, he's safe. He'll do what I want, right? So women tend to those two things. And so we see the fall is moving woman unwholesomely towards the man, away from God, right? This, this whole idea of them coming together and glorifying God and, and, and being fruitful together is, is broken. She's moving in the wrong direction. Now, men's curse is, is laid out in 17 through eight, 19. I'm not going to read it, but we see what happens is the ground is cursed because of Adam's sin. It's, it tells us that, that his work will now be uh, filled with thorns and thistles. So what, what, what was once uh, fruitful and, and it, it was great joy, his work of, of glorifying God and cultivating the garden, now it's going to be hard, right? Now the garden's covered with thorns. And so that's why, for men, uh, we've pro- we've all experienced this. Nothing ever works out right at work, right? Deadlines get missed. Something gets forget forgets to get uh, shipped. Uh, I-, I feel sorry for Joe. His work is fixing all them thorns and thistles that never end, right? Everyone's. Uh, I'm thinking of James, right? He's he's working with thorns and thistles, trying to help people with their with their sicknesses or or their ailments right? It never works out. You're never done, right? There's always another problem to fix. That's work. It becomes thorns and thistles. And so, and so men's identity now moves away from God, right? As an image bearer, glorifying God together in marriage, right? His identity is now placed in his work. And many men place their identity in work. They find their fulfillment in work. And so it leads, it leads to two types of men. The spectrum is domineering or ab, uh, or not domineering. Uh, I forget the word I picked here. Um, why can't I think? I had another word picked out that described it perfectly. But that men tend to uh, the kind of a domineering, machismo, chauvinism, right? These are extremely driven men. I'm going to find my identity and work... I want to win. I want to succeed. I'm going to prove myself. Right? That that's many men are extremely driven and they'll run over and they're totally ignore their call at home because they're they're pulled so much away from the home. Right? So that's disordered. Right? They're not created for work. They're created to glorify God. But man is driven. And and it, you'll notice, right? What happens is everything's work, right? Working out working on the yard, working on the car. Everything is about work for men, and it can pull us away from our home. And I, I think on the opposite end, what you'll have with the man is, is an abdicator. Because work is hard, he'll give up. It's too hard. I'm going to fail at it anyway. It, it never works out, so I just give up. And that man in marriage will, will give up leadership to his wife that man will tend to marry a domineering woman right And a in a in a controlling man right the the machismo the chauvinist man will tend to marry the doormat and it's broken they're all going they're setting their image not in god but in in the work they do right they're 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 looking to the created things rather than the creator god and so that's why it's hard they're both going the wrong way they're finding fulfillment in the wrong things. And next week, we're going to talk more about how do we rightly order this thing. But I, I want to end with this. In Genesis 3.15, we begin to see God's plan to fix this brokenness. Genesis 3.15, we see, I'll put, here's God t- talking to Satan. Here's Satan's curse. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and, your, and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So right here, what we see is the, the, the first glimpse. This is called the Proto-Evangelion. This is the first gospel. This is the first hint of that one day God would, would send a Savior, who we now know is Jesus Christ, right? He would be bruised by Satan on the cross. But he would, he would, he would deliver that, that defeat, right? He would defeat Satan on that cross. The seed of the woman, right, born of a virgin. This is the first hope in Jesus Christ, who's going to come back, and the, and the hope of the gospel is that Jesus comes, he dies on the cross, right? He rises again three later, three days later, and by faith, right? He's our hope, putting our trust in him, and what happens? Now our identity is back in Christ, right? We're fulfilled in Christ. That's our hope for marriage is to be fulfilled in Christ, to be filled up by Him. And so what happens is when we're filled up by Christ, right, He satisfies us. He fills us with His Spirit. He changes us, gives us that, our, our true identity, right, children of God, citizens of the kingdom of God. My identity is not in my work. My identity is not, you know, in, in, a, in my spouse. My identity is in Christ. Christ has filled me up. And because he, when He fills us up, right, with His love, that love enables us to, to pour out rightly, pour out that love to our spouse, to come together in, in oneness, to partner together, to, to glorify God together, right? To, to rightly order a home, to take on that, the, your role that God's called you to, right? to, to not be a chauvinist or, or to abdicate, but for men to take courage in Christ. And step into his role, which is which is very difficult. And for a, a woman to take courage in Christ, you know, and to not domineer, right? Allow her husband to lead, to not get ran over, but 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 to trust God and, and be in healthy relationship. That's our that's our hope. It's all Christ. He's the one that can satisfy and fulfill us and and reverse this mess. So what I I got a paper for you guys that I want you to do, it's in the back. We'll hand them out to you as you leave. It, it's just a little exercise. I would love for you to do it with your spouse. Everyone should go through and read it. Right? It's 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 uh Satan's doctrine of marriage and top 15 lies that can destroy a marriage. So read that. I, I'd encourage you if, if you read that and you see some that um you believe to confess those to the Lord. Confess them to your spouse, right? Uh, a, a, a important part of your relationship should be confession and repentance. This should be happening all the time. When one person violates the other, we confess to God. We confess to each other. We forgive each other, right? So I want you to do that. I want you to even think about, man, am, how am I stepping out of the role that God's called me to? And confess that. Confess it to God. Confess it to each other. Spend some time talking and praying about this. All right. Uh, let me pray. Lord, uh, Jesus, I love you, praise you, thank you so much for this time, Lord. Uh, just, I pray that you would help us see, Lord, our sin. Help us see how we've misplaced our identities. Help us turn our hearts towards you, turn our hearts homeward to do what you would call us to do, to, to care. For the, the garden, right? The the responsibility you've given us, Lord. I, I pray that you would begin this work and, and and we could continue to be talking about this as we go forward, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.